0: But honestly, some of us, this is the message that you need to hear today. You you tried to cover it up. And I need you to know it's not covered up. He said, nobody knows about this. Yes, they do. And God grieves over sin. That's why Jesus is weeping. But he doesn't just throw his hands up about it. He does something. He intervenes. So he says, take away the stone. That's step one. There is a progression of this. Jesus doesn't bring you to life to leave you in the cave, friends. So if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're in the cave, that's not home. You need to come out. Martha complains. She interrupted. That's what will happen. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? That's what I want for my life Not for the next 36 hours, I want it for the next 36 years or however many years, the Lord. uh, We want something generational to happen at Calvary, not something that's going to just be hyped for a little bit of time, right? So they took away, they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Oh, may it be so among us. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. Are we done yet? Can I ask that? Are we done with this scene yet? I want you to know that it doesn't end with Lazarus walking out. That's going to be important for us and for you to understand about your life he's alive but what he's bound and that's some of us you are a follower of jesus but you're bound up in grave clothes i thought this was a this this blessed me maybe it'll bless you i was at the gym believe it or not yesterday and uh i was, I was trying to run a little bit of time I was trying to run four miles uh, I think I think uh, I need to get in shape in a number of ways in my life. And uh, one of the things I would say is as I was running, it just struck me that revival is a long-distance run that the Lord will carry us through, not a sprint, right? So, And then I, I had my phone, so I started to write some things out about um, this morning. And this passage had been on my heart, and uh, I kept typing into my phone, you can be alive— but still have on grave clothes. I kept writing that. Anybody ever have an issue with autocorrect on the phone? I was just writing my notes. I kept writing grave clothes, and it kept autocorrecting it. And would you believe this is what was happening? I would type out grave clothes, and it would autocorrect it, grace clothes. It kept happening again and again. And this is what I'm praying. We come, we come up out of the grave alive but with grave clothes on. I think what the Lord would say to us is, trade out those grave clothes for grace clothes. I'm going to cover you with my righteousness. But, it's important, you do have to be unbound. And so when we do get to preaching, there is something I think most all of us come up out of the grave with, and we're bound up by it, and you see what he says. Um, so, so here's kind of the picture. Is this is how good the Lord is? Is Lazarus's heart is beating, right? But he's bound up, and so his hands are bound. It says it on his face he can't see, and uh, uh, so, so Lazarus is emerging from the tomb. And what was struck? What struck me in this passage is the number of times that it uses the word them and they. He's talking to a people and that underscores that God wants to do something among us. revival's not about you. It's about you. It's about us, people of God, right? united in pursuing the lord together and we're going to need each other we're going to love each other we're going to be patient with each other we're going to be in this together and jesus looks at them and says y'all unbind him right and then what he says and so they begin to peel some things away because he's alive it's true but he's not yet enjoying the abundance of life and that's what revival's about my friends that you might be here and you are you are You are a follower of Jesus. but It's like last week we we talked about we got to a point where we can't keep going the way we've been going, amen? This is not the life that we've been redeemed for. And um, we're going to talk about something that uh, we all wrestle with this morning that we need to peel off and peel away because it desensitizes us, it blinds us, makes our gospel speech muffled. Uh, Lazarus is a picture of it. Alive bound so that's why we'll talk about a little bit later on that God is good enough to take off our grave clothes auto correct it's not auto correct it's Jesus correct grace grace clothes stand together and we'll pray together would you pray with me I mean really pray with me Let's not go through the motions here, let's pray. I want to ask you to pray some things and, and... Would you just ask the Lord to reveal anything in your life that has you bound up. It's bound you up. It's of the grave. It's not of righteousness. It's of the cave. It's not of the light. And can he, can he have the grace to see Jesus weeping? And part of him weeping is his groaning desire that you would be freed from it and can be freed from it and don't have to keep going living in it? Thank you for the groanings of Jesus. Thank you that we have a Savior who weeps. So God give us sobering days. God give us sobering days. Help us to be attentive to your word. Help us to walk in the spirit. Hallelujah, praise God. We don't have to keep going the way we've been going. My home doesn't have to keep going the way it's been going. My private life that nobody else sees doesn't have to keep going the way that it's been going. In you is life, and in you is light, and you are the good shepherd. You have victory over sin, death, and the grave. And you are greater than anything that has us bound up. And Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name that you do a work of sober, thorough, deep, abiding restoration. We know, we understand that 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 might mean some things that are deeply rooted in us need to be torn down. And may they be torn down for your glory's sake. Help us to be in it together. I pray against, in Jesus' name, any petty grudges, any lingering resentment, any fractured relationships that has us disunited uh, disunited or not unified, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, repair relationships. Whether that's husband and wife, parent and child, brother and brother in the Lord, sister and sister in the Lord. Break up fallow ground, Lord. Give us a season where we, in humility, say it is time to seek the Lord till he draws near and reigns righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment to encourage and greet one another as we continue together. Bless his holy name. I'm going to, uh, in a moment, invite you to stand. But before we do that, I w- if, if you've got your Bible or a Bible or one's in the pew in front of you and you want to grab a hold of it, I want you to open to the table of contents. And once you're in the table of contents, I want you to look over those Old Testament books. And you'll see there Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Keep going down. You'll see first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. That's where I want you to find. And I want you to find where Nehemiah is and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. That's what I want to begin with, a scene from the scripture that has been much on my heart and in my thoughts this week, as I believe it is a picture of a sobering revival and that's what we need. And uh, so the pattern that is outlined there in these verses is what I've been praying in my own life. And so Nehemiah chapter 8, now I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We'll read Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to read all the way to verse number 8. Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 8. This is what it looks like when God grants by his power and his grace in the presence of the men and the women, and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema, and Aniah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Maasiah, and on the right, and Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Mashalom. On his left hand, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin. These are names of people that God did a deep work in. Akub. Shabbatai, Hodiah, these are people who said we can't keep going the way we've been going. Amen? Maaseiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a glorious and clear, accessible picture of what you can do in a people. We know this describes what went on in the days of Nehemiah long ago. But I believe it also gives us information on what you can do now. The power of your spirit and the clarity of your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name. May it be so. Amen. We may be seated. Um, we see here in Nehemiah 8, the very first statement is that they gathered together as one man. And what that tells us is that there was not disunity among them. They were unified. They, they weren't divided. They weren't bickering among themselves. They weren't um, allowing uh, disagreement, grudges to continue among them. And in their unity, they were unified unto the word of the Lord. Did you hear that? They stood and were attentive. In other words, they really listened to what God was saying in his word. Their hearts, their minds weren't a million miles away. They were attentive to what the Lord had said. And then they were grateful. Now, the issue that we'll talk about that has to be peeled back, these grave clothes uh, are at odds with all of these things. The issue that we'll talk about, if we allow it to be the ruler of our heart, will leave us fractured, not unified, will leave us giving our attention to a thousand lesser things, and our hearts will not be attentive to God, they'll be attentive to anything but God. The truth is that God is holy, He is righteous. His word is alive and is active. There's no deficiency in the scripture. The deficiency is often because of us and what rules in our own hearts. And so in maybe a little bit of the spirit of Nehemiah 8, what we're going to do together is sort of be saturated with God's word this morning. So I'm going to put on the screen uh, a number of scriptures. And my prayer is, as we do this, that we'll be like this these people in that day, that will be attentive to what his word says. So let's begin with this passage. We looked at it last week, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we emphasized this passage last week. I just want to underscore it again, that the Lord really does see. The way I'm remembering it in my life, Brandon D's, the Lord sees. Now, we live on the basis of naturally understanding, we live out what that scripture says. People really do look on the outward appearance. You live this life, don't you? People make assumptions, conclusions about you on the basis of how you look. And sometimes we carry that pressure and we begin to live as if that is ultimate. And in my heart, I really begin to think what's most important about me is the outward appearance. And sometimes we get so good at it that our outward appearance has nothing to do with our inward condition. But I want you to know, and again, this goes back to where we started. If there's things that you've ever done in your life, which was it? Man, I hope my dad doesn't find out, or I really need my dad's help. When you think about, the Lord really sees. The things that you thought were covered up, they're not covered up, friends, right? What you did when nobody else was around, and you think nobody knows, well, it's known. You're deceived or foolish to think that the Lord doesn't see. Think he doesn't see what you've seen. He sees. But this is important because here's how powerful the world, the flesh, and the devil are. They'll convince you he doesn't see, or then if they'll allow that he does see, they'll make you conclude that things about him are true that aren't true. And I want you to know, friends, God is not having a heart to shame you, embarrass you, ridicule you, mock you, condemn you. God's heart is to restore you, refine you, cleanse you, help you, redeem you heal you so the Lord sees not as man sees; he really does see the real you and the heart is the real you the heart is the real you and last week we made this observation that every heart has a ruler and Jesus lists some of the rulers that can reign in your heart from Matthew 5 6 and 7 anger some of us anger's on the throne and you're just eaten up with it lust can be a ruler of the heart Pride, the love of money, anxiety. Those were the things that we talked about last week. But here's the deal with those rulers. They're false rulers. They're not real rulers. So when you bow down to them, you're bowing down to an idol. You're bowing down to a false god. And here's the deal. Those rulers never help. They never heal. They only demand more. They're not liberating. They're exhausting. And when you live in allegiance to one of the false rulers, your life gets really lonely, really taxing, really exhausting But praise God Almighty, we have a Savior who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The false rulers never give you rest, friends. They always demand more. And then third, what we studied last week was only the grace of God in Christ Jesus can really help and heal the heart. The Lord sees the real you, and he's not out to get you. He's out to heal you. He's out to help you. May our We'd be attentive to his word. Next passage we also looked at last week. Ezekiel prophecy where the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Can we give glory to God for the word all in those passages? So if you're living a life where you're sort of a most is the word that you're using, I want you to know that Jesus is better than that. He will heal you and cleanse you from all your uncleannesses. From all your idols, I will cleanse you. He loves you enough to reveal and tear down the idols. So this is what I want to say. Last week, for many of us, God revealed the idols. You walked out of here and said, man, I'm eating up with anger. I'm eating up with resentment. I'm eating up with bitterness. My life is enslaved to lust, and I cannot get out. The things I watch, the things I see, the things I participate in, man, I am unclean, and I, and I know it. Or maybe for you it was that you do live for the outward appearance or you live for the love of money or your life is consumed with anxiety. What I want you to say very clearly to you is God will reveal them and he will destroy them. Because I believe we live in a generation where we make a half measure, where we're good and say, yeah, that's convicting and that is an idol. But I want you to know that the Lord isn't going to leave Lazarus alive but bound up. Amen? He didn't bring you up to stay in the cave. He brings you up so that you could really live. That's what he promises. I'll give you a new heart. Anybody need a new heart and a new spirit? I will put within you. It's not about the outward appearance. Revival's not about the outward appearance. In fact, when revival comes, that's one of the things that will be liberating is that you won't be eaten up and consumed with what people think about the outward appearance. And I'll put within you, I will remove the heart of stone. That's where some of us found ourselves in life. Heart of stone from your flesh. I think I shared this with you last week. God really convicted me. And it was as if He said, Brandon, you respect me, but you're not in all of me. Revival is going to come because we're going to have that microphone issue. So we're going to fight it. We're just not going to let it have domain, right? I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh means it's sensitive, it's feeling. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Can we get some liberation from some legalism right now? What was the order? You obey my rules and I'll give you a new heart or I'll give you a new heart and you'll obey my rules. Some of us need to be freed up because for us, Christianity has always been the end without the middle part. You think that following Jesus is about following rules. It's not. It's about having a new heart. It's about having a new life. It's about having a new spirit, and now his rules and his ways and his regulations aren't oppressive. This actually begins to be the desire of your heart because if, listen to me, if you are trying to walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules, and yet your heart is a heart of stone, you are miserable. And maybe the best thing for you to do is just to say, I am miserable. But I want you to see with clarity, be attentive, be attentive, be attentive to his word. I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh because here's the other deception. Some of you trying to live with two hearts. (laughs) So I'm going to keep this heart of stone and and can I just kind of put a heart of flesh over top of it like an outer layer? Can you zoom in, be attentive to that word on the screen, remove. Remove. Some of us, the anger doesn't need to be coped. It needs to be removed. Your lust, it doesn't need to be Sort of like a pet that you try to keep control of, it needs to be removed. Anybody with me? Your pride—it doesn't need to be. Well, I'll just sort of domesticate it. No, the sin that you tolerate, it will rule over you. Sin is not to be tolerated in your heart; it's to be removed. But I want you to know that He's not going to remove it and leave you empty. He's going to remove it so He can replace it. From the Scripture. I will, put my, I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful. Some of us are careless. Heart of, heart of stone is careless about the things of God. Heart of flesh is careful to obey him. Well, we're about to zero in on what binds us up. We want to get a hint of it right here. Second Chronicles 7.14 describes what God commanded in that day. And, again, I think it sets a pattern for us in our day. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I'm going to give it one more time, then we'll switch it up. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what's the very first thing That's said here. The word we're going to talk about is not here, its opposite is here. Very first thing is humble themselves. So here it is. Here's the message I didn't want to speak because I said it's not very exciting. All right. Some trust in microphones, some trust in chariots. We'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. Good to go. Y'all hear me all right? Yes. Nehemiah didn't use a microphone. I guess that's probably part of it. I'm gonna talk about pride, but here's a, here's our hope. Next verse. Here's our hope, y'all. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That's our hope. That's it. That's that's our only hope, is that Jesus is alive. He's active. He's powerful, and he's the same. Now, here's what we're going to talk about. In a generation that we tend to prioritize what's flashy over what's faithful, there is a roadblock to revival, and it is called pride. On Monday night, my family and I were driving back from Raleigh, and we're on Highway 64 headed home, and there was a roadblock up Lights flashing, barriers in the way. Something had happened a little further on down the highway. So they put a roadblock up and we had to exit off the highway and kind of take a route that we didn't plan to take. There's a roadblock to revival. And if we are not unbound by this, this is where we end. We'll wander in the wilderness for a generation. And the roadblock is pride. When we open up the scriptures... We'll see this again and again. So I'm going to read some scripture and have them on the screen. God's view of pride. Because here's the deal with pride. If you are sitting there saying pride's not an issue in my life. Pride's an issue in your life. Amen. If you've already said, well, well, I'll come back next week. Something for me. No, this is for us. Because what pride does is it blinds us to us. So let's get God's view of pride. Again, being attentive to his word, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. If it's been a long time since you really sought the Lord, if it's been a long time in the quietness and unseen places of your life that you were in the word and you sought him and pursued him, the number one reason for that is pride, because you don't think that you need to. In revival, it's revealed to us how much we need him. All his thoughts are there is no God is a god and he loves you and he longs to redeem you and give you real life proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 the fear of the lord is hatred of evil pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech i hate we're getting god's view of pride now getting god's view of pride proverbs chapter 11 verse 12 when pride comes then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16:18. pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. These are warnings. These are warnings. If you have a heart where pride is the ruler, you're blind to the destruction that is to come. And really, you're living a life that's not really life you're bound up. Obadiah. The pride of your heart has deceived you. What the scripture just say pride does? It tricks you, deceives you. Begin to think things about yourself and about God and about other people that aren't true. You who live in the clefts of your rock in your lofty dwelling who say where in your heart who will bring me down to the ground? Now, full disclosure, not many people say those things out loud. Not many of us go around saying who's going to bring me down? Some people do, but most of it we just say it internally. Like, I got this. Here's a season of revival, what would reveal it? We ain't got this. We don't. Can't keep going the way I've been going. It's a rhetorical question, ultimately, in eternity who will bring me down to the ground? There's an answer to that question. But I want you to see that God has enough grace and compassion to warn us. To warn us. Remember, even the disciples, as they walked with Jesus, argued about which of them was the greatest. Speaking of warnings, it's a sobering warning. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, it's pride that made the devil the devil, and it's pride that will make you devilish. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, just real quick, A few times now we've heard that the responsibility to humble yourself is yours. If my people are called by my name, humble themselves. Humbling yourself is the only realistic response when you're attentive to God's word. I mean, if you're really hearing what he says, the response is that you would humble yourself. It's a lot like Isaiah... When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, we'll get to that in a moment, his response was, woe is me. So when you see God for who he really is, what happens is you see yourself for who you really are, and then you humble yourself. And really, if you've ever seen the glory of God and who he is in his majesty, the only response is like we saw in Nehemiah, they bow with their faces to the ground. James 4, he gives more grace. Praise God for that. He's not done with us, amen? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. When you allow pride to reign in your heart, you've made God your enemy. And he's offering you his friendship. Friends, there is nothing that God cannot do, but I believe there are some things he will not do, and he will never send revival to a proud person or a proud people. Pride ensnares us. Pride makes us blind and then convinces us we're the only ones who can really see. Pride gets us to say everything is all right when everything's not all right. Pride tells us we don't really need help when we desperately need help. Pride in the heart leads us to live a life on the basis of the outward appearance. And it is so lonely and exhausting to live that way. If it's not yet, it will be. Samson was so proud that he thought he would go on continuing to have victory after victory when the power of God was actually gone from his life, have you read about him? David was so proud that when he was caught up in lust and adultery, he thought God would go right on blessing him. Peter was so proud when he told Jesus that he'd never forsake him, hours before he denied him three times. Pride is the condition of the heart, that believes you can live apart from God, not in submission to God, and that you are in charge of you. Pride makes us entrenched, unwilling to change, and unwilling to listen to God. Pride makes us super sensitive to the shortcomings of people around us and insensitive to the sins in our own lives. What I'm going to do now is one of the things I wrestled with the Lord about, is whether or not to to do this, but I'm going to do it. Humble obedience to the Lord I'm praying for. One of the resources that has been a great help in my life again and again is the workbook Seeking Him. Anybody got that Seeking Him? Uh, It's a devotion uh, workbook that leads you, well, to seek Him. And in that workbook, there is a day that lists 30 ways that distinguish proud people from humble people. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read those things. Now, here's why I was wrestling. Can I just be honest? I I thought nobody likes to be read to. And what the Lord drew near to me in a sense and said is, well, you, especially you, Brandon, don't like to hear these things. So, So I'm not reading these things at you. I'm reading them with you. Amen? So that we can, there's no ambiguity. That's what we want to do is remove any ambiguity. Are we a proud person or a broken person. Proud or humble. So here we go. Anybody want to do the count? No, we don't do the count. There's 30 of them. You can brace yourself. This is going to be sobering. It is not going to be exciting. It's going to be sobering. It's going to help us by God's grace, what we've already read in his word. As we read it, I want to keep James up there, right? God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Proud people, number one, focus on the failure of others. Just ask that this week. Have you been more focused on the shortcomings of other people? Shortcomings of your children? Shortcomings of your spouse? Shortcomings of your friends? Humble people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. When's the last time, honestly, you are overwhelmed with how much you need the Lord? Number two, you said there's 30, they're 30. Second, proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults through a microscope and their own through a telescope. Humble people are compassionate. They can forgive much because they know how much they have been forgiven. Proud people are self righteous. They look down on others. Broken people esteem others as better than themselves. A proud person has an independent, self sufficient spirit. A humble person has a dependent spirit and recognizes their need for other people. A proud person has to prove they are right. You can't let it go got to keep going got to know you in fact a proud person will say they'll keep going until you say they make you say they're right a humble person is not argumentative a proud person is quick to claim their rights and have a demanding spirit a humble person yields their rights and have a meek spirit proud people are protective self-protective of their time their rights their reputation they see other people as interruption to what they were going to do humble person is self-denying. A proud person desires to be served. A humble person is motivated to serve others. A proud person wants to make a name for themselves. A humble person is motivated to be faithful to make others a success. A proud person desires self-advancement. A humble person desires to promote others. A proud person has to be recognized and appreciated. A humble person has a sense of their own unworthiness or a thrill that God would use them at all. A proud person is wounded when others are promoted and they're overlooked. A humble person is eager for others to get credit and rejoice when others are lifted up. A proud person has a subconscious feeling that says, this organization is privileged to have me and my gifts. Think of what they can do for God. A humble person has a hard attitude that says, I don't deserve to have any part in this work. Know that they can have nothing to offer God except what he enables them to do. A proud person feels confidence in how much they know. A humble person is humbled by how much they have to learn. A proud person is always self-conscious. A humble person is not concerned with self at all. We're halfway done. Y'all all all right? It'd be okay for you to say, no, I'm not all right. A proud person keeps others at arm length. This kills a church, by the way. Because we're with each other, but we're not really with each other. This is what leads a person to come to church regularly, but nobody really understands what's going on. Always keeping others at, why? Because we live by the outward appearance, right? We don't want other people to know, man, I'm really struggling. You see why we need to be unbound by pride? A humble person is willing to risk getting close to others and take the risk of really loving others. A proud person's quick to blame others. humble person accepts personal responsibility and can see where they are wrong in a situation a proud person is humble uh, i'm sorry <laughs> a proud person is unapproachable and defensive when corrected proverbs talks about this again and again and again in fact in fact even as we're reading these things if in your own mind you're saying no 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 bound up and the lord wants you free friends if, if while we're doing this, you, in your mind, you're categorizing, well, that's true of him, that's true of her, that's true of da, 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 da. It's true of me. A humble person will receive correction with a humble, open spirit. Proud person's overly concerned with what others think, work to protect their own image and reputation. A humble person's concerned with being honest. What matters to them is not what others think, but what God knows. And they're willing to risk their own reputation that he'd be glorified. A proud person can find it difficult to share their spiritual needs with others. A church is proud when prayer request time is the quietest time. A humble person is willing to be open and transparent with others as God directs. A proud person wants to be sure that no one finds out when they have sinned and they have an instinct to cover it up. A broken person, once broken, They don't care who knows or finds out and they're willing to be exposed because they have nothing to lose. A proud person has a hard time saying, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? A humble person's quick to admit failure and to seek forgiveness when necessary. That's why some of us have a heart of stone because again and again the Lord has said, you need to seek forgiveness, you need to seek forgiveness and we've been entrenched and said, no I don't, hardens the heart. A proud person tends to deal in generalities when confessing sin. A broken person is able to acknowledge specifics when confessing their sins, and they can call sin by name. A proud person is concerned about the consequences of their sin. A humble person is grieved over the cause, the root of their sin. A proud person is remorseful over their sin because they're sorry they got found out. A broken person is truly repentant over their sin and want to forsake their sin. A proud person waits for others to come and ask forgiveness when there's a misunderstanding or a conflict. A broken person takes the initiative to be reconciled when there is misunderstanding or a conflict in relationship no matter how wrong the other may have been. A proud person compares themselves with others and feels worthy of honor. A humble person compares themselves to the holiness of God and feel desperate need for his mercy. We've got three more. A proud person is blind to their true heart condition. And a humble person walks in the light and come out of the cave. Amen. A proud person doesn't think they have anything to repent of. A humble person realizes that they have a need of continual hard attitude of repentance. A proud person doesn't think they need revival. They're sure everyone else does. A broken person continually senses their need for a fresh encounter with God and for a fresh feeling of his Holy Spirit. Pride is a roadblock to revival. Pride leads you bound up. And in fact, pride doesn't leave you bound up. Pride is what binds you up, right? Grave clothes. You looking with me? Attentive? James 4 6. Grace clothes. Grave clothes? Grace clothes. Bound up. Unbound. Everybody else needs to change? I'm in trouble, and Father, I I need your help. You see, that's why, we're, that's why, that's, why <laughs> that's what revival is. Lord, I need help. I, I've got myself in something. I can't get myself out of it. I need help. So, uh, all week, So I sought the Lord and prayed for our church, I didn't know what to do for an invitation. So here's what we're going to do for an invitation. Really, just as I've been preaching, this is what I believe would be appropriate. We're not done with verses on the screen yet. And what we're going to do is we're going to let the word of God be the invitation. Because so far we've looked at verses that talk about us, God's view of pride. And I've just selected a handful of verses that display Jesus and his character. So here's what we're going to do. This again, um, man, Holy Spirit, help us because we are so bound by the outward appearance. It works both ways when it comes to invitation and honesty. Is Sometimes we won't respond because we're worried about the outward appearance, and sometimes we do respond because we are about the outward appearance. Does that make sense? Like, I'm going to, everybody will see me respond, and I don't. So, so in a moment, here's what we're going to do. They, they bowed with their faces to the ground. Now, for some of us, that's not physically possible. I understand that. It's not about their, it's, it's about, not their outward appearance about what's going on here, right? So, if today God's word has been active in your life in such a way that's what the response would be i'm going to invite you to do that not for show not for public appearances anything like that as we read the word it's what we're going to do so some of us it'll be immediate we won't have to read another verse you just already the lord has used his word in such a way in your life that you say i just need to bow with my face before the lord just bow with my face before the lord and then some of us as we read these truths about jesus the scripture is the invitation. As we read these scriptures about Jesus, I want you to know that this is who you're being invited to. Cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Some of you are already, already there, right? I, mean, I need to come out. I need to come out. Let's stand together. The spirit of Nehemiah 8. Here's the first one. If You resonate with this. I said, woe is me, I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let's bow our heads together. We're not going to have a song here at the end. We're just going to let the scripture be the invitation. And if God is doing a work of revival in your life, then come to the front. You don't have to. Instead of you looking at these verses, I'm gonna read them to you. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. Are we listening? Moved with compassion. That's his heart towards you. He stretched out his hand. And touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. Do you need to be made clean this morning? In your own heart, are you like a leper who's for a long time, it's like you've given God the silent treatment, you've, you've stood afar off. Maybe you've been distant from him because you've been angry towards him something he's allowed in your life. To you, it feels like leprosy. Mark chapter 2. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay, and when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. You can be forgiven. I want you to know that. Your sins can be forgiven. Your sins can be cleansed. Your heart can be redeemed. You don't have to keep going the way you've been going. The paralytic came to a moment... He wasn't going to continue to go the way he was going to go. Had some friends that helped him. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus reclined at table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I want you to know that there's room for you at his table. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight. (laughs) There's a picture of this room for you and then i want our pride contrasted with jesus's humility two others from luke 23 who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him and when they came to the place that is called the skull there they crucified him and the criminals one on his right one on his left and jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. So us all pray together in light of that passage. And here's what I want you to take home with you. Revival, as it happens, it's often going to show up in the unseen areas of our lives. Kind of the secret areas of our lives. Again, revival is more about 36 years from now as much as 36 hours from now. But here's the picture I want to leave you with. I don't know if you've ever seen this in scripture. It's been so helpful for my life. It says when Peter and John raced to the empty tomb, do you remember what they found there? The Bible says that Peter stooped down and went in, and they're laying in the empty tomb were the grave clothes, right? Grave clothes. Jesus didn't come out of the tomb bound up. That's what I want you to know. He didn't come out of the tomb bound up. He's alive. He's powerful. He's forgiving. He's compassionate. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you right now. He'll heal your heart. Jesus is greater than your anger. He is greater than your lust. He is greater than your pride. He is greater than your love of possessions he's greater than your anxiety he's greater than your fear jesus is greater and we're setting today as a mark for a couple things one that we know pride is a roadblock to revival there will be no human pride in heaven and as it is in heaven lord in this church may it be so now i'm going to say one last thing we're going to pray and we'll be done for this morning we're not done with a season of seeking the lord amen can't specify this i'm trying but i can't specify this but if if your pride has led to consequences in your life that the holy spirit would reveal to you right now it could be that you're closed off from the lord it could be that you've got a fractured relationship it could be that you've lived for the outward appearance what the Lord doesn't reveal to expose and shame. He reveals to help and heal. And often out of that helping and healing, do you know why he wanted Lazarus unbound? So that he could love and serve and speak. That's the tragedy of pride. When pride rules the heart, we don't serve others, we don't speak the gospel, and we're blind to the things of the Lord. So would you just in the quiet humility of your own heart say father what is a what is a act of obedience that i can take today do i need to sit down with my spouse and us to talk (laughs) do i need to pursue a friendship that i've allowed because of pride to wither father i thank you that revival is a work of the lord we can't program it we can't schedule it but i do know on the authority of your word that you give grace you give grace You give grace to the humble. Give grace to the humble. So as we continue together as a church family, we're all pray that we're unified, we can gather as one man at the water gate, so to speak. We can be attentive. God, I know that Jesus said that the word of God is like a seed, and it can fall along a rocky path, and it gets gets quickly snatched up. May that not be so among us. May your word fall on ground that's fallowed, it's been plowed up and sensitive to the things of the Lord God I pray right now in Jesus name in Jesus name that pride does not prove to be a roadblock to revival in this church may it be cast down for your glory